What you have gone through in life doesn't always define who you are, but it's part of a larger plan, working for a greater good, a better you. Here is where you'll hear stories of adversity turned into victory, stories of faith, both steadfast and wavering, but testimonies nonetheless that may change your heart, your perspective, even your life. Welcome to Testimonies. And welcome into Testimonies. I'm Tessa Spencer, your host. Uh, thank you for coming along on this this journey with me. And uh, it has been a journey indeed. And I thought that this whole thing uh, should start with my own testimony. Uh, two very major testimonies, one being um, my life in general, overall life story, if you will. Not too many people know of it. Uh, some people uh, have been priv- uh, privy to this information, but my life and testimony uh, began 1968, October, five months in, about five months old. My mother, I'm the youngest of four of my mother's marriage to my father. And by the time I came along, I... Uh, My father was not in the picture, okay? So to make a a long story short, my mom, uh, a single mother, off and on, because he would come and go, our father would, and still trying to work, still trying to support at that time four children. Our sister at the time was the oldest. She was five. I had a brother four. Um, I believe my uh, other brother might have been one, no, two at the time going on two, and I was a newborn. And to make a longer story even shorter, which is I'm going to do the abbreviated versions here and there, uh, my mom had an agreement with a woman who started out by babysitting me that this woman could not adopt me, could not change my name, and I had to know who my biological family was. I'm sure it was a difficult decision for my birth mother to make. Um, After all, having to give away a child, so to speak, and it sounds like such a really harsh way to describe it, but to give your child or lend your child, (laughs) I don't know which way to say it, um, had to have been a very difficult situation. Now, the rest of my testimony with my life has been growing up between two different households, even though I spent the majority of the time with my mama, the lady who raised me and her family. And I would see my biological family maybe one to two weekends a month, maybe. And staying overnight with my biological family, I recall from a very young age, was always very difficult for me. Um, I loved being around my siblings because I was an only child in my other situation. So being around other kids and being able to play and laugh, that, you know, that was always good. But when the sun set and night fell, Tessa Spencer was ready to go home to her mama. And I would cry. I want my mama. I want my mama. And I wonder to this day, because I've never asked my birth mom, um, whom I'm still in touch with, um, how that made her feel when I would want to cry to go back to my mama. Uh, because here she is, my biological mother, what that must have felt like. So my life was spent, the formative years, growing up in a household where love wasn't demonstrated in the traditional ways of saying, I love you, um, 
you know, or letting you know, (laughs) hey, we love you. My mama who raised me believed in, and this is her words, not mine. You have a roof over your head. You go to private school. You don't want for nothing. You got food on a table. And I got to tell you that I love you. Those are just words, honey. People say that all the time and don't mean it. In theory, looking back, she was right. You don't have to tell somebody that you love them. But it would be nice, right? And then when I would go to my biological family, oh, Tessa, so good to see you. We love you. We miss you. We wish you could stay with us. And knowing that that wasn't the agreement, right, (laughs) made for a very interesting, lopsided, a life of uh, void when it came to love in that regard, Um, sort of difficult And that the person I wanted to hear I love you from couldn't say it or wouldn't say it. And looking back at it and hearing other people, you know, their advice is, well, she probably wasn't good at saying that because that's not what was said to her. Maybe. Sure, I can go with that. But growing up as an only child, this woman's only child, um, she was a single parent. She was married. Uh, She was married to a Navy man at that time, and uh, I think he was getting out of the Navy or moving back to his home state of West Virginia. And I remember her telling me, child, I am moving in old backwoods, West Virginia. And so, you know, he went on about his business. She went on about hers, (laughs) never to be seen again. I think I recall seeing him once, and uh, I think the three of us went to uh, Folly Beach at that time. I do remember that vaguely. But growing up in a household where... I wasn't allowed to go out to play with friends very often. And I looked forward to Mondays. Nowadays, you hear people say, oh, I hate Mondays. It's another Monday, Monday blues. This is that and a third. For me, I love Mondays because that always meant that I could go to school after the weekend, right, and be around kids and laugh and play. And then I would give away my lunch so my recess could start earlier so I could have more time to go out and play. And boy, would I get my butt whooped for doing that, right? I just wanted to be a kid. I wanted to have fun. I didn't have that. And so as part of the testimony with my life story, I've had to look at it through a different lens over the past 10 to 15 years to fully understand and not only understand, but also fully accept the fact that this was all in God's plan. Yes. Okay. So it was God's plan for my dad to, you know, my parents were very young when they got married. So it was in the plan for my dad not to be ready for a commitment. Okay. It was in the plan that my mother would be a single mother at the time that I came along. Okay. It was in the plan that my mama, the lady who raised me at that time, uh, wanted to have a child of her own. And she was in that particular place in her life. And I just happened to come along at the right time. Okay. My mother told my biological mother told me, you know, she struggled with making the decision to do it. But she did it. She doesn't know why, but she did it. But looking back at it, I don't believe I would have had the same opportunities Had I stayed in that familial situation, I wouldn't be where I am today. I probably wouldn't have attended 
private schools. I probably would not have attended college or graduated and gotten into uh, radio and had a successful career had it not gone down that way. It was all in God's plan. I couldn't see it over the years, right? All I could see was that, you know, my mom gave me up, so to speak. I know it sounds harsh. I don't know any other way to put it. Well, she had an agreement with this woman and yeah, okay. She needed help at the time and okay. <laughs> I had to come to to grips with that, right? But overall understanding now that it was all in God's plan. So here we are. Um fast forward uh to getting into radio. Had a successful career. I have worked in the Charleston market, Greenville, South Carolina, Nashville, uh, Providence, Rhode Island radio markets. Very successful. Had a great time. Um, But then I come back to Charleston in 1999. And in 2009 or so, I started wanting to have a closer relationship with God. I've always been a seeker. I was born and baptized Catholic and raised as such. (laughs) definitely did. And um, God bless my my great-grandmother, Hermine Spencer, the matriarch of the family and the staunchest Roman Catholic I have ever met still to this day. Love her, miss her so much. I've always been a seeker. Throughout my life, I would stray from, um, you know, religious or spiritual practices, if you will. I think we all do. Life gets busy. But I would always get that yearning and come back. So around 2009 or so, um, I started getting that yearning again of wanting to hear God's voice. And also during that time, I had started freelancing um, at a local TV station. And, you know, that was here and there. Um, That was cool. Okay, so I get to dabble in television a little bit. And, you know, I still get to do my radio thing. Okay, that's great. So the way God works and the other part of this very important testimony is how God puts people together, how they're in their life and doing things and they get a, um, a notion to do something and that sets the wheel in motion and everything just kind of starts falling in place until God gets the desired end result, his plan, right? And it all being seen through. I was asked to meet with a woman about her nonprofit. We met at a Barnes and Noble and we were talking. And during a course of our conversation, um, a relative of hers uh, came in uh, to drop something off and said, oh, you're talking to Tess. Oh, hi. Nice to meet you. Um, You know what? I have a small Christian school inside one of the churches here in town. And we're getting ready to graduate our first class. There are only about three or four students, but we would be honored, you know, to have you. We listen to you every morning. We have breakfast. The kids eat breakfast while we're listening to you. And we call ourselves the Breakfast Club because we're having breakfast the same time you're on the air. And so Tessa can never say no. Tessa always says yes. I'm learning to get better with saying, no, I won't be able to do it this time. I'm getting better with that. But my first um, response, if you ask me to do something or be somewhere, The answer is always, sure, I can do it. And so I said, yeah, I'll be great. I'll be honored to do. I think that would have been at that time my first graduation speech that I've ever given. So the school was actually in a church, like she said, and that's where the graduation ceremony was held in the sanctuary of said church. Now, the interesting thing about it is this particular church I lived not too far from. 
and I would have to pass it often two, three times a week or so uh, to go to the grocery store or my favorite little Chinese spot that I had. And whenever I would drive past this church, I would look to the right and say, hmm, and turn my head back and just keep driving. Now, at that time, I never questioned myself or why do you keep looking at that church every time you drive by it? Why do you keep going, hmm, every time you pass it? It just never dawned on me to question uh, what was going on with that. So with that being said, um, after I did the commencement speech, the pastor came up and said a few words. And as I was sitting there and I was listening, it came in my spirit and I said, I'm going to come to church here um, the next day, which would have been a Sunday. And as I said, growing up Catholic, by the time I got to my senior year of college, which was about 1990, I kind of strayed away, moved away from practicing or being a part of the Catholic Church. And so I've been to Baptist churches. I'd been to um, Methodist churches. Uh, excuse me. I think the only church I hadn't been to was a Pentecostal, right, or a Seventh-day Adventist. So, you know, trying to find a, a home, so to speak, if you will. And so I said, OK, I'll come back to this church the next day. And I did. Um, I was one of only three African-Americans in the church at the time. That doesn't bother me. I don't believe who you worship with has anything to do with your relationship uh, with Christ, because that's between you and Christ, right? And that's what you're trying to foster. So I, I walk in, I find a seat in the middle near the back of the church. And people are bustling around, Coffee, the, the church had a coffee bar. It's like, oh, that's a plus. Okay, starting off pretty good so far. And when the lights dimmed and stood up, it was time for worship for church to start. Um, the first downbeat of the drum, the first beat of the drum hit, boom. And I started crying. And as the music went along, no words had been sung yet, but just the instruments that were playing somehow resonated with my spirit in some way that elicited a, um, a, a re- the, the response, right? And so I'm having this conversation in my head, standing there. Girl, why are you crying? I'm going, I don't know. What is, what is up? This is, you know, whatever. <laughs> Strange. So once we sit down, praise and worship is over. We sit down. The pastor, same pastor that I saw the day before, comes up on stage and said, we're starting a new series this week. This may be one, maybe for some, it might not be for any, but this is what we're going to be talking about. And he points to the screen behind him and up on the screen comes, how do I hear God's voice? And that's where I was in my life at that time. I wanted to hear God's voice. I was talking to people that um, have said to me, God told me to tell you, or God said this, or I was in prayer this morning and God said, okay, what does God sound like? And so that was always, that had been in my spirit for for a few months now leading up to, you know, being at that church. And so I was immediately excited, like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I've been wanting to know. And here it is, God orchestrated it from me just having a simple discussion with a lady at a local Barnes & Noble to then being asked to speak at a graduation at a church that I always passed, always looked at. And I go to the church the next day and the first part of my desire is placed before me. And so going through that process, that learning process, I was in the Word, I was in church every Sunday, I was uh, giving, tithing here and there, (laughs) here and there, and really just getting in the Word and practicing um, everything that I was learning every week, but most importantly, learning to trust when God 
is working in your life and to taking hands off. And my first test um, after being, I think I think I was being a very good student, right? I was learning. I learned that God spoke to me in very um, succinct sentences. Yes, no, three words or so, and that was it. And this particular time or the first test, because he want, God has a sense of humor. God is, I love him. I just, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> he said, okay, Tessa, I got something for you. My children are the product of a divorce. And when they would get out of school every summer, they would go to their dad in Tennessee. Right. And I would miss them terribly every time I would send them. As soon as I would send them back, I was like, okay, when can I, can we meet so I can get them back? They had to be with me. They were my boys. It was always the three of us. This particular time, uh, their dad calls me maybe after a couple of days of them being there. And he says, hey, T, I was thinking, why don't you let the boys, you know, stay here with me this upcoming school year? They can go to school here and everything. I'll get them enrolled and blah, 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 blah. And first of all, that was a shocker. Like, say what? Okay. Then the next thing came. Normally, if it was the old Tessa, before the going to church every Sunday and getting into the word and learning to recognize when God is doing something in your life and not to question it, but just go along with it. The old me would have been, no, no, heck no. I've No, just no. <laughs> and leave it at that. Right. But this particular time. I paused, of course, because it, the moment did give me some pause because I didn't expect him to say that. But I told him, I'll get back to you. I didn't really think about it anymore. It was just like I said, it was still kind of a surprise that he even brought that up. So two days later, God said to me three words, let them go. It came just like that. Let them go. And so I always answer out loud. I said, "Okay," And I did. But little did I know at that time that God was setting me up for a major change in my life, in my career. Now, fast forward to that November, because that was, I say, late June, July of uh, 2011. The week after Thanksgiving on a Wednesday, um, we had heard that, you know, the radio station, the company as a whole was going to be bought out. And this particular company that bought us at the time, very big on saving money, very big on syndication, believing in having big names uh, in their big uh, day parts, meaning morning and afternoon. So they believed in having celebrities now take on the roles of radio personalities, which was um, quite the boom that was going on around at that time. So as life would have it, um, I was one of the ones that was laid off on that Wednesday the week after Thanksgiving, that morning, right after the show. So I sat there. They told me. I took it in. Didn't have any emotion one way or the other. In fact, uh, the general manager at the time, um, when he was done with his spiel, saying, you know, thank you for your service, I sat there. And he's like, do you have anything to say? I said, no, thank you. And I got up and I left, never looked back, literally never looked back. I still left my things in my office, the things hanging on the wall. I didn't get those back until maybe three years later. The engineer put everything in a box and kept it because I ended up going back to work for that same company. See, never burn bridges. That's one lesson inside of that. So I got home at the apartment at the time, of course, empty. 
Didn't have to pick up the boys from school. Why? Because they were already in Tennessee. They had already started school there. I, I wasn't angry and I wasn't sad. I couldn't cry. I was uh, bothered by the fact that the company did not give us a chance to say uh, goodbye to our listeners that we'd been with from 1999 to 2011. <clears throat> I felt cheated out of that particular moment. But I sat in that apartment, deafening silence, and you could hear the high-pitched ringing. If you really sit in silence long enough, you kind of hear it, right? Because during my, my spiritual growth, I learned how to be in complete silence. Sometimes if we're at home by ourselves, we'll have the TV playing in the background. Not really, you know, we're moving around in the kitchen, we're cleaning up, we're doing this, this, that, and the third, but we just have the TV on. It's just playing. We're not really, you know, getting anything out of it. Same thing with riding in a car. You have your radio turned on. You don't like to ride in silence. Oh, I just, well, let me put on some music or, you know, whatever the case may be. That's how I was. But during my spiritual growth, um, I would get checked. I would get checked by God. He would say, turn it off. And I would turn it off. And that was when I knew that he was like, hey, I need my me time. You're so busy. I can only get you today in the car. So I need you to turn that off and we need to talk. You need to listen or we just need to be quiet. And just like we're sitting there just like, you know, looking at each other, so to speak, (laughs) listening to each other breathe, so to speak, if I might be a little comedic with that. And so I'd learned to be in, in, in silence and not be bothered by it. And at that time, I was also freelancing as a law clerk for a local lawyer. I also have an interest in law. That's another thing about me, if you didn't know. And every afternoon after I would take a nap, once I got home from radio about 1030 in the morning, 11 o'clock, I would take a nap till about two, get up, uh, go to the lawyer's office and work uh, until about five or six or so. And so on this that day when we were let go, we were getting uh, phone calls uh, from other TV stations, um, including the one that uh, I was freelancing with. Um, the newspaper, the local paper, the Post and Courier calling. We just heard what happened because we, you know, were so entrenched in the community and our show had been on for so long. Um, we had gained a level of popularity that, with us being let go, that was seen as a kind of major blow to local radio um, in the city of Charleston. So I didn't really have a comment. I didn't feel any, I didn't want to make a statement. I just wanted to kind of get on with my life. It didn't bother me. When I walked out that door, when that door closed, I completely walked out of it and did not look back. So I was okay, you know, at that moment. So before I lay down to take my nap, first of all, how many people after you've been laid off from 1999 uh, to 2011, do the math, I do words, however long that was, right? And you get laid off with no backup plan. Do you say, oh, okay, I'm going to go ahead and take my nap. I've never encountered or had a conversation with anybody else who had done anything remotely like that, not to say that it doesn't exist. So that's what I did. I walked to my bedroom, but before I, I got in my bed, I looked up to the ceiling, and I pointed, and I said, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. I said it three times, and I went to sleep. I woke up. I went to the lawyer's office, business as usual. He asked me, are you okay? Do you think you need some representation? I said, no, I'm good. It's all right. (laughs) It's not worth it, right? And so within two hours' time, the news director from the TV station called and said, I don't know if this is fate or what, but a reporter position just opened today. Would you be interested? And I said, yes. And the rest is history. And that's a testimony that I tell time and time again a testimony of trust 
believing, waiting, uh, recognizing when God is speaking, and just overall being obedient. And that was the best feeling in the world, in my life, to be able to know that I completed the tasks, the assignments, the tests along the way, because it prepared me for that very moment, for one door closing and opening to something that I had wanted to do since I was five years old on the same day. Albeit it took 40 years to happen, it still happened because that was a desire of my heart since a child. God knew that. I was growing uh, spiritually with him and in my journey with him, and that was my reward. I tell this testimony all the time in hopes that people will see that when you trust God and you recognize when he's working in your life and you truly, truly trust him, not just in words, but you feel that with every fiber where you are able to let go and let God fully and he will deliver every single time because those are the promises that he makes to us and he will always keep his promises. So that's where I am today that I know my testimonies aren't the only ones that existed. And over the years, when, I've, when I meet people, it just almost seems natural that they open up to me and we end up having a conversation about what they have been through and how God has brought them through. So when I sat down at the time with my fiancé, soon-to-be husband here, in a month or so, <laughs> he said to me, Babe, you've got to do something that means something to you. Because, you know, as you get older in the business— And it's like, okay, how much longer can I be in TV? Do I want to be in TV? How much longer am I going to be relatable in radio? You know, that's corporate America. What's something that Tessa's passion is and she loves doing, right? And this came to me. You love God, right? Yes, I do. You love hearing other people talk about God and what he's done in their lives, right? Yes, I do. All right, there you have it. And so once that seed was planted, because Tessa doesn't always still, you know, I'm human and Tessa's going to Tessa and Tessa's going to procrastinate something bad. And that's just what I did. I kept, you know, I knew that, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast. But was Tessa doing anything she needed to do to work towards that? No. Did I look up some things, what I would need as far as podcast equipment? Yeah, I did. You know, earmark some things. Didn't really think about it. So fast forward to uh, I had a conver- I was on a podcast with my uh, producer of the podcast <laughs> and J Rock, and I was on his podcast. He asked me to be a guest, and I think I told him at that time that's what I was thinking of doing a podcast. What I wanted to do because he asked, you know, what do you want to do in the future? What what else do you see yourself doing? I said a podcast. He said, okay, well, let me know when you're going to do it, and this is that and the third. Okay, um, I didn't. He approached me about it. We started working on it, started tossing some things around. Uh, then I drifted away again because that's what I would do. You know, I'd get an idea, then drift away from it. And just out of the blue, um, after a conversation again with my fiance, babe, you started your podcast yet? What you going to do now? You know, you got the office downstairs. I mean, find out what you need. This is that. Okay, okay. And a couple of days later, J-Rock out of the blue says, all right, you ready to join the podcast world? And so at that moment, 
I said, okay, God, I, I understand you're sending people my way. There's a direction that you want to keep me going in. You, 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 you've got the people with the, with the little, you know, people who work on the highways with the, with the red lamps, like this way, directing traffic. Come on, keep on coming. Don't give up. Keep coming. <laughs> so that's where we are now. And J-Rock made it possible when we met. He said, okay, well, we're going to meet and we're going to talk about it. And the biggest thing for me has always been kind of following through on things that I say that I want to do. That's one of my flaws, follow through. I'm getting a lot better with that. Met with him. Um, he surprised me with the equipment, uh, the microphones, the cords. He says, I got this, so there's no excuse for you not to do it. And then, and this is going to lead into the introduction of my first guest, uh, who you will get to hear next week, and I'm so glad that she's a part of it. I all of a sudden, because I have a lot of tension in my neck, I've had that problem. I met a massage therapist about three years ago. She recognized on TV that she's a little Tessa, a little lopsided. I need to get her in here. And uh, to make a long story short, it had been you know a couple of years since I had seen her, and I looked her up, got an appointment, walked in, and we talked about God the entire time, the entire time. And I tossed around uh, with her the idea of the podcast over the you know the the two weeks straight that I was going to her. And that's when I knew that this is what I've been called to do. And those are just a couple of my testimonies, the two major ones. Um, during this whole process, I will share more because God is amazing. He is mind-blowing, and he's continuing to do some amazing things. But I want to take you on a journey uh, with me listening to other people's journeys of their faith, of getting reconnected. Um, the first episode, uh, official official, well, this is the first episode, but my first official guest will be Miss Glenda Eady next week. And that's going to be the message in the massage. And we'll take it from there. And over the coming weeks, you'll hear from Brother John. Um, he works in the food and bev industry. Um, you're going to hear from Mr. and Mrs. Ray Shields. Um, the way we got connected really quick, the way we got connected was a year later after my oldest son took a ride in Mr. Shields' Uber. Um, he drives occasionally for Uber, and he gave some material to my son that ended up in my hands a year later. And we connected and found out his amazing uh, his amazing testimony and his wife as well. Looking forward to bringing that to you. And if you are within the sound of my voice, please share, please like. Um, God wants to know that people are listening and that you're taking this information in. Um, we have a Facebook page, Testimonies with Tessa. If you haven't liked that, I liked it yet, please do like it. Um, we can have conversations on there. You can post messages if you have any questions about a particular episode. If you just want to share what may have happened to you that day or an encounter that you had, a divine encounter 
we want to get things like that out into the open and put people's eyes on it and have people listening to the amazing things that God is doing, the amazing things that God has done, and looking forward to the the amazing things that God is going to do. So that's one way through social media. That's Testimonies with Tessa. Like the page, follow it, and become a family member because I'm, I'm going to be on there sharing things um, as the days go by, too, if I have any particular encounters. Looking forward to doing that. And uh, coming up right here as I close, you'll hear a telephone number. You'll be able to leave a voice message. Um, if you would like to give a uh, vocal testimony, we can easily play it back here on the podcast. Or if you wish to be a guest, and I'd love to sit and have a conversation with you and through technology. There are so many different ways that we can do it in person or over the telephone, and it will be amazing. I know that it will. And you can also send us uh, an email, testimonies with Tessa at gmail.com. I can read your testimonies on air if you don't want to be a guest, but you do want to get your testimony out there. So there's so many different ways that you can do so. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate you. I do love you. And know that God is waiting on you to make the first step. He's always here. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to be a guest or if you just want to share your testimony, call 843-608-0804. That's 843-608-0804 or email testimonies with Tessa at gmail.com.